0: Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And on this Mother's Day weekend, remember, leave the gun, but always take the cannoli. Coming to you from home base this week in beautiful Edmond, Oklahoma, it is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I am your gracious and humble host, Derek G. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm the co-host of the Pat Jones Show, a 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. If you've never listened to that show, if you're ever in green country, there's 97.1, there's 96.1, 101.1 in Katy, Kansas. Please listen because Pat Jones is the host. I'm the co-host. While I'm along for the ride, that doesn't matter because Pat Jones is an American treasure and he, as the former coach of the Oklahoma State Cowboys, will give you an honest answer and probably more honest than you deserve or even sometimes want, we also podcast that show and please uh, download our app for your smartphone. Coming up on today's show, we'll talk about suitors in the NFL, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. We've got audio from Steve Kime. We got audio from Ian Rappaport. Bootleg audio, in fact, from the Rich Eisen show. We'll also talk about Malcolm Rodriguez, his journey in the NFL and why all of us should want to be a fly on the wall the Big 12 spring meetings that are going on in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we'll bag on Lincoln Riley and discuss the current state of college football as it pertains to tampering and the transfer portal. So let's jump into it and start with Kyler Murray this week, who for all intents and purposes, looks to be in a really good position With the Arizona Cardinals. Now, you're thinking, why are you saying that? Kyler Murray's talked about wanting a trade. Kyler Murray has been a guy that's not really happy with his contract situation. Ah, but yes. Yes. There's the rub there. I have had the pleasure of listening to Steve Kye, who happens to be the GM for the Arizona Cardinals. And when I listen to Steve Kye, even though I do not trust a single word that ever comes out of management's mouth... When regarding players' contracts, the one thing I do know is that Steve Keim is probably being as honest as he possibly could this week when he talked to Rich Eisen about the state of Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals and where this organization was going and why am I telling you about that? I'm not. In fact, here is Steve Keim, GM of the Arizona Cardinals with Rich Eisen, about Tyler How is
1: your relationship with Kyler and the organization's relationship with it's, him?
2: It's, right it's been good. It's been good. He uh, he's uh, he's fun to talk to about the players throughout the draft process, pre-agency. I mean, he's a he's a football junkie, so he's a guy that watches a lot of film and gets into it, and always likes to voice his opinions, which I love to hear. I, I, I like to. Personally, talk to our players about uh, prospects because it brings to me, uh, you know, they look look through it through a different sort of lens. You know what I mean? It's like they have a different perspective than than the talent evaluators and the coaching staff.
1: Well, I mean, you you know the narrative, Steve. So what what is going on with him and 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 you uh, contractually? Uh, I, I have. I have this piece of stationery uh, right here on my desk I've been holding because I've never seen anything like it, what came from his agent the uh, days before the combine. Um, Are are you guys, uh, where where does that stand right now, you and Kyler contractually? (laughs) Well,
2: you know, again, uh, um, I would say this. uh, Every deal that you've seen done for quarterbacks after their third year have all been done anywhere from uh, mid-July to about September. So, I wanted to get through the draft process, free agency, all the work that we put into it, and then now we can take a step back, refocus, and see if we can get something done. But uh, everything's been good. Com- you know, the lines of communication have been open with him. Eric Burkhardt his agent, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get something nailed down before the season starts.
1: So he has not demanded a trade from the Arizona
2: Cardinals? No. No. Nor would I trade him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nor would you trade him. Uh, Correct. Go ahead and expound on that.
2: Why not? I mean, uh, because I, I was a decent GM when Carson Palmer was our quarterback. And when he retired, I wasn't a very good GM. And then now that we have Kyler Murray, I've become a little better GM again. <laughs> and I'm smart enough to think, figure out that when you got one, keep them.
1: So, all right. What now? What's, what's in your world now? What happens now? Now that you're done with the draft, Steve, what do you got? Well,
2: take a deep breath here and, uh, uh, get ready for all the off season program. And, and, um, you know, probably take a look at Mr. Murray's contract.
1: When does that happen? Do you think, Steve? What do you well, think?
2: you know, there's a lot of research that goes into it. I mean, we have a whole analytical team here. We got to look at the numbers, and I am definitely not the smartest guy, Rich. So I need a little help in math.
1: <laughs> no, I, I know that, uh, but he clearly has a ticking clock. You know, um, sure. You know, I'm. I, 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 do. You, do you still keep the the uh, the letter that Eric Burkhardt sent out? It's a hell of a stationary <laughs> man. Do you still? I have a copy. I'll be here.
2: honest with you. I didn't get through the whole thing. <laughs> What you got the gist off
1: the top, and you but then you just put it down, and you know, I'm gonna get asked this at the combine. My gosh, like
2: I just said, math, reading. I'm lazy, man. I got like two sentences in, I'm like, I'm good because you have
1: no intention of trading him, zero intention (laughs) of trading this guy, right?
2: No, man, I listen. Drafted Josh Rosen with the 10th pick, moved on from him, made this guy the number one pick. I mean, they'd put me in an insane asylum if I did that.
1: I, I, I do remember that whole time, and that was one of the many times you were kind enough to call in the day after a draft and walk me through that process. <laughs> and, you oh, know,
2: man, tough decisions, yeah.
1: No, I, I, of, of course. But, but in other words, this is something that uh, you're addressing this summer or between now and training camp. That is the time that you are going to actually hit this thing
2: with Kyler yes, and his that's, agent. Our, that's our intent, yes.
0: twenty-one twelve was 20 minutes long and an entire side of an album. And you didn't have as much to digest there as you did in what Steve Keim, the Cardinals GM, had to say in that three minutes. But let me sum it up for you. Steve Keim doesn't want to lose his job. After Josh Rosen was such a terrible flame-out, you can't afford to trade Kyler Murray and get lesser value, or worse, get a player that's not as equal in talent, and can do as much as Kyler Murray, and then have everything that you've built up in Arizona in a team that the fans are actually excited for, and ownership, actually believes might win a Super Bowl. In fact, this is a team that's going all in. There's a reason they went out and signed J.J. Watt. There's a reason they went out and traded for Hollywood Brown, and we'll get to that In a second. But you're Steve Kime. You've had a bust with Josh Rosen. You can't afford to have one with Kyler Murray. So this puts Kyler Murray in a really unique situation in what we call negotiating from a semi-advantage point. He doesn't have all the leverage, but he's got enough where he's going to get Steve Kime to go, ugh, at the end of negotiations which means that Kime had to give up something that he didn't want to, be it more guaranteed money over the life of the contract, be it more guaranteed money up front, maybe more years on the contract, whatever it is, Kime's going to have to swallow a little bit of his pride and give in to Kyler Murray's demands. But where Kyler is having a big issue, and it's not just Kyler Murray, it's every stinking quarterback in the NFL right now, the Cleveland Brown the Sean Watson contract hurt everybody. Yeah, it did. And, and I'll be the first to tell you, look, I'm all about some guaranteed money, especially for guys in the NFL, because in the NFL, your career is so, so short, you deserve all the guaranteed money you can get, be it up front or over the life of the contract. Well, when the Sean Watson got his monster deal from the Cleveland Browns and had every single year of his contract, every single year of salary guaranteed. Now other quarterbacks want that. And ownership in the NFL, what they want is wiggle room. They want to be able to get out of those contracts in case you're too beat up to play, in case you're just not that good, or in case somebody else comes along, even if you are good that they think is better, they want an opportunity to get out of it at a reasonable time. And that's going to happen in this contract. That Not every single year will be guaranteed. Only so much money is going to be guaranteed. But Kyler's going to get pretty close to what he and his agent want in, in this situation. So it's not, so Kyler's coming out on, he's getting the long end of the stick here. And sorry to throw another cliche at you. The other thing, that Steve Keim has got to understand, and where management got hurt, is when the Cleveland Browns did Baker Mayfield dirty, and when, Cleveland, when the Cleveland Browns decided that they were not going to commit long-term to Baker Mayfield, it made every young quarterback anxious. Because especially when you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson or a guy like Kyler Murray, who have a tendency to run the ball quite a bit, and can get beat up the way that Baker Mayfield did and management hesitated on him even though management may like these guys they're looking at them as guys who play better on the run than they than and they're not traditional sit back in the in the pocket kind of guys management gets a little hesitant on that and they're they're a lot more wary of committing to long term so now you've got anxious players you've got anxious management Kyler Murray's at least guaranteed his fifth year right now, and he's going to make well over $20 million in that, and he gets the opportunity to negotiate. It's all going to work out. It's just a matter of time. He's not going to get everything he wants, but he'll get close enough to make him happy enough to go out and perform for the Cardinals. And he'll do so with Hollywood Brown. Oh, getting Marquise Brown. When you talk about the draft, like if I had to give draft grades, I would probably give the Titans... And the Cardinals, the only A's in this entire draft, simply because they picked up veteran receivers. But you get Hollywood Brown to be a part of this. And whether it's the 77 yard touchdown pass at Texas or the 75 yard touchdown pass at Iowa State from Kyler to Marquise Brown, or uh, maybe it's, you know, two of the two of the touchdowns, the two touchdowns at West Virginia. I, I don't know what film they had to look at. But they know that this guy has chemistry. And now that DeAndre Hopkins is on the shelf for six weeks with PEDs, or with, or because of use of PEDs, Hollywood Brown gets the opportunity to step up. This is a very exciting time for him, an exciting time for the Cardinals. And DeAndre Hopkins, this is the worst thing that could happen to you because two guys that already have chemistry and should be able to find it pretty quickly in that Cliff Kingsbury dare we say it, Lincoln Riley, Mike Leach offense, two guys that have already played in it, you could be the odd man looking in. You could be on the outside looking in when you get back. I love this for both of these guys. I can't wait. it. I can't wait for it. I haven't gone out and invested in a whole lot of Arizona Cardinals gear, but I might do that here shortly. And I will take this time because I swear if my radio boss is listening uh, my show, uh, my station 97.1, the Sports Animal in Tulsa, which by the way, I'm assistant program director. So I guess I need to mention this. Um, it would help me as well. We're an Arizona Cardinals affiliate. So again, you want to hear Cardinals game? Listen to us. You can hear Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown throwing a lot of touchdowns. Let's move on to Oklahoma State and talk about, um, in my opinion, the most fascinating guy in the draft. And, and, and I don't, I'm not saying this to kiss your butt if you're an Oklahoma State fan. I really am fascinated by Malcolm Rodriguez. In fact, I can't believe that it took till the sixth round for that guy to come off the board. And you know who agrees with me? Matt Money Smith, longtime talk show host, guy that's on the NFL network. I don't know why it took six rounds in order for him to come off. But I love the fit with him for the Detroit Lions. And we I know we talked about this last week on the radio show. I can't remember if we talked about it here. The Lions are a great fit for him. Matt Campbell's going to love this kid. And not simply because he's a work hard, try hard, he can bench press 225, you know, 60 million times or whatever, you know, whatever number he's putting up. Not, but he runs a 4 5 And he can and will seek out contact. And you think about Dan Campbell, and I may have said Matt Campbell, but you think about Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell, who's the head coach of the Lions. Dan Campbell wants those guys that will bite, like he said, he wants guys that will bite kneecaps. Well, there is Malcolm Rodriguez, even though he doesn't have to bite kneecaps, he will bite kneecaps. People make an issue of his size, 5'11". Don't, don't, fret too much on that that may have hurt him in the draft and let's face it for as much as football is advanced in the NFL with scouts with personnel people with you know especially coaches the longer they've been in the league the slower they are to come around about different guys being able to play different positions and contribute and yeah that may have hurt Malcolm Rodriguez but if the Lions and this is a big deal with the Lions if they're looking for a special teamer, Malcolm Rodriguez is going to be perfect because he can cover punts. He can cover kickoffs. He can certainly block. He's fast enough to get up field and put a lick on someone and he will definitely do that. And you can play him at safety. You can play him at linebacker. There, there are enough different spots you can play him at where if you want to put Malcolm Rodriguez on the roster, you can certainly justify it. This isn't This isn't a stretch. You know, if you're you're Dan Campbell and you're sitting down with your GM and your owner and you're looking at the last two spots on your roster and it comes to Malcolm Rodriguez, that's a guy who's got a story to tell. And it's not even so much a story to tell, but there are enough legitimate talking points there. As long as Malcolm Rodriguez will make plays in training camp and make plays in those preseason games which drive us all nuts to watch, although, come on, let's admit it. We're all football junkies here. We're going to we're going to watch, you know, if you really like if you really like football, you watch the third and fourth quarter to see the guys that either have an opportunity to make the team or have an opportunity to make another team. But Malcolm Rodriguez has enough going for him, enough things that are tangible going for him where I can make that case for him to to end up being on the Detroit Lions roster and and here's the other thing say it all the time and this is not kissing Oklahoma State's butt and it ticks off OU fans although probably less now than what it did when Lincoln Riley was there there isn't hardly anyone in the Big 12 that does as good a job with the talent that they have as Mike Gundy does Barry Tramble wrote about it if you don't want to believe me Go read Barry Tramble's article in the Oklahoman, okay? They always recruit really well. And it's not about your four and your five-star guys. Anybody can get those. I mean, th- that's simply a sales job. All right. The four of the five-star guys, you and I could talk about how awesome those guys can play. Your sister could, whoever, whatever. Your your daughter could tell you Caleb Williams can play. It's your three stars, it's your two stars. It's guys like It's guys like Malcolm Rodriguez. It's guys like Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa that you take and you develop and you turn into something. Those are the guys that tell me you can recruit. And Oklahoma State can certainly do that and they certainly do develop them as well. You're listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. All right, coming up next, there's no place you would rather be than at the Big 12 Spring Meetings. And we'll tell you why next. This is the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. I am Eric G. And the biggest sporting event of the week is, drumroll please, the Big 12 Spring Meetings. Yeah, I, I know, that that sounds just so freaking exciting when I say it. A bunch of coaches and athletic directors, maybe uh, throw a few presidents in there, all just sitting around talking about NIL, new commissioner transfer portal and what have you. No, this is, this is a really big deal. And if you're a nerd like me, or you're just a concerned college football fan, this is where you want to be this week. And it's been going on the, the past couple of days. And the reason you want to be there at this meeting is first and foremost, you want to know what the Big 12 is going to do with their divisions. Because right now that's been put on hold. The Big 12 and 23, 24, 2023, and 2024 are going to expand. BYU is coming into the league, Central Florida, Cincinnati. Look, you you know the teams, okay? And and there's going to be 14 teams in this league or at least 12 teams in this league before OU and Texas leave and and go to the Southeastern Conference. And, And why this matters is because the NCAA is considering a rule that would say, hey, You don't have to have divisions anymore to hold a championship game. What you can do is do what the Big 12's doing now, which is take your top two teams and have them go play in the championship despite not having a division. That is exactly what what the Big 12 wants. And right now, it's with 12 or more. You have to have divisions. Well, the Big 12 doesn't have 12. It has 10. But when they add 12 or they add 14, logic would tell you that they would divide into divisions and whoever won the East would play, whoever won the West would play, or North and South, however the Big 12 decides to do it. Why that is bad and why that's always been a system that you should be against if you're a fan, okay, here I am telling you how to think and that's bad host on me, why I've been against it is because sometimes one division is so much stronger than the other, and the two best teams might actually be in the same division. For example, if you split this East and West, and let's say Oklahoma State's in the West, and they're undefeated. Yeah, they've gone 12-0 this year. And right behind them is Brigham Young. They've gone 11-1. Their only loss is to Oklahoma State. Over on the east side, you've got Central Florida. And let's say Central Florida has three losses, or Houston has three losses. Maybe it's the non-cons. Maybe it's the teams within the division. Maybe maybe it's the Houston, or maybe it's the BYU and Oklahoma State. That team with three losses, even though they won the division, is going to get to play for a championship over a team with only one loss? No, that that, that, that doesn't work. And your worst in in all of the nightmare scenarios would be for that team to win and knock a potential playoff, playoff participant out. And what the Big 12 wants to do, what every conference is trying to do, is get their best playoff participants matched up in those championship games, especially right now with there only being four teams in the playoffs. Now, when it expands... And I'm going to say win because I'm holding out a hope that, that it's going to be 12 teams. And look, I'll admit, without you going to the SEC, I know that's, that's their best shot of getting into the playoffs. But when it expands, you do away with the divisions and you do away with the championship games. Because you don't want to risk anything happening to an undefeated, one-loss, two-loss team that you know a selection committee would put in put in a playoff a playoff bracket. You don't want them losing that last game of the year and then getting that all fouled up. And it not just costs that particular program, but it costs your conference some money. Big time money. Money that that doesn't just go to that school, but goes to every single school. So you got to consider all that. And I know sometimes that this is like, oh man, this is the next and O's and recruiting, whatever. No, but it really is important to sports fans. And, And it's something that we need to do a really, just a really keen job of watching as as sports fans. Um, speaking of meetings, ACC having their coaches meeting this week, or at least so I'm told. I'm getting this all straight for my co-host. So if there's any bad information here, you can blame him now. Pat's great. Pat's great. But uh, the reason I bring that up is because Pat he has apparently... <laughs> Uh, been asked by a source close to my co host if he's still mad at Lincoln Riley. And the answer to that is unequivocally yes. He is not happy with Lincoln Riley, nor is he really thrilled with the fact that you've got the Balitnikov winner, okay? A current enrollee in Jordan Addison. Well, I guess he's not an enrollee anymore. Because he's entered the transfer portal. Jordan Addison, current bulletnikov winner from Pitt, who's entered the transfer portal and his most likely destination is obviously USC. Now, we know Lincoln Riley's a lying scumbag. Okay, that was harsh. That was really harsh. I'm not supposed to call anybody name. We know that Lincoln Riley is acting like a lying scumbag or at least lying slime here. And the thing that bothers you the most is Lincoln Riley moaned and complained about tampering. Okay. while he was at Oklahoma. He didn't like the transfer portal because of tampering. And now he's doing it with Pat Narduzzi's players because the crux here of all this is that there is NIL money upwards of $2 million being talked about for Narduzzi's former player. And again, I want to say his name. It's Jordan Addison. Okay. One, the NCAA Uh, even though nobody's paying attention to this rule. The rules do clearly state that you're not supposed to put NIL benefits out there as possible enticement for recruiting. Two, Lincoln Riley, yes, complained about tampering, but now it looks like he's tampering. Don't hate the player, hate the game in that situation. Because Lincoln Riley's just doing what he can to get that USC program jump-started, which is obviously a big deal to him in, in needing to keep his job. So I can't hate on him too much for that. Um the issue here is in the in the much bigger issue is that let's say it's Oklahoma state and Derek Mason leaves or Casey Dunn leaves as a, as an offensive coordinator. What if they start pillaging the program the way that that Lincoln Riley was doing with OU, the way that Lincoln Riley's doing with other programs, what if they tamper? This is something that's got to get under control. Now maybe as fans you don't care because so, the portal giveth, it also taketh away, and you can fill in a lot of cracks. And certainly, it's an easy way for a lot of guys to get their program going in the right direction. But it's not all, it, it, one, I don't think it's sustainable. And two, you're going to see a lot of really good coaches start to leave college athletics until the NIL and the portal get under control. When those things get under control, you're less likely to lose some of the most important people that we have in college athletics today. Right now, if you're Brent Venables, if you're Mike Gundy, and you thought there was any chance to go to the the NFL because you didn't want to deal with this crap, eh, now would be a good time. That's just where we are with college football altogether. So it wasn't really meant to bag on Lincoln Riley, although we did. Um, It's more just to say, hey, here's another warning shot with college football, and we're going to keep seeing this stuff every single week, as long as the transfer portal makes it so easy for kids to go from one place to another. Baker Mayfield, what does his future hold? He did not get traded on draft night or any of the draft nights, which means he could be in a bit of trouble. And with more on that, here's Ian Rappaport. So
1: what's his option? It looks like he's not going anywhere uh, until, what, he becomes the Sam Bradford for another team that needs him because... Their quarterback had a freak accident. I mean, you're banking on a freak accident or or a suspension by you know of Deshaun Watson. That's the those are his two best options. Yeah. to find work.
0: I think I think that's it. But yeah, I mean, banking on a freak accident or banking on okay, like this sucks, but I'm going to have to go play for this team again. And it's, there's so many like different levels to this. Let's just say the Browns are good. I think they're going to be good. So let's just say Baker goes out there for a four games. I have no idea what Deshaun Watson's suspension is going to be if there is one, but just for the sake of this discussion, let's say it's four games. So then let's say he goes three and one. Might somebody go, you know what? That looks like Baker of old. He's healthy. He's good. He's confident. Maybe I'll trade that guy midseason if I lose my quarterback. Like, it's all good for him, even though it's a bad situation overall. Rappaport said a very key phrase there. If. If Baker Mayfield is lucky enough to play a few games for the Browns, because with the Browns with Deshaun Watson, he may in fact not be suspended till next year. And if you're Deshaun Watson, you've got to concern yourself when the when the NFL brings that hammer hammer down. Will they do something like Major League Baseball did, um, a la Trevor Bauer, who's out for two years? And hey, if the NFL deems it that serious, don't put it past them. But Baker needs that opportunity. And right now, I mean, if you're just asking percentages, I'd put it at about 30% that he's in somebody else's training camp come the fall, and then he's got an opportunity to start. Um, It's gonna take something like the Lions, like Ian Rappaport was saying, the Lions realizing Jared Goff's not any good, uh, the Panthers being not happy with Sam Darnold, and the Seahawks not being happy with Geno Smith or Drew Locke, and remember, Jimmy Garoppolo's out there. He had shoulder surgery, which ended up keeping him from getting traded, but it doesn't guarantee you that Baker Mayfield is going to end up anywhere. That being said, okay, as bleak as that sounds, you're not going to find a bigger Baker Mayfield fan than me. Okay, yeah, you will. There are guys, there's a dude that's got Baker Mayfield tattooed on his leg. That's just a bad exaggeration that talk show hosts do. But as I always say, Never bet against Baker Mayfield because you will end up on the losing end of that bet. He's proven it time and time again. That wraps up this week's show. I'm Eric G. I want to thank you so much for listening again. Subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you for the feedback. Uh, got some really good feedback the other day on this show, and it was, it was critical. It was like, you know, good critical feedback, which we need. And uh, it came from Brian. So Brian, thank you so much. And yes, um, I'm working on some of the things you suggested. So yeah, always any feedback, greatly appreciated. We work and do what we can to make the show better. Until next week, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote the great Diamond David Lee Roth, stay frosty.